Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we're beginning a new series where we're going to examine some of the promises or covenants that God made in the Bible to various people throughout the Old Testament. Specifically, we're going to be looking at five covenants that God made with five different men. We're calling this series Five Guys. And our first guy that Pastor Nicole will be talking about is in fact the very first man, Adam. What did God promise to Adam? And why does it still matter to us today? That's what we're going to uncover. So let's get started with our new series. Here's Pastor Nicole. We are starting a new series today titled Five Guys. And I have to tell you that I got a hamburger for breakfast and these fries right here. Okay. They're cold because you had to buy them the day before. I didn't factor in Five Guys doesn't open at nine in the morning. But I did think the greasy bag was just enough to feel, can you smell it from where you are? Um, So I'm super excited to explain to you um, why we chose this as the title. I think you're gonna really learn a lot about God's promises to you and to all of humanity through this series. And this series also might inspire you to eat a lot of hamburgers and fries, okay? I might just remind you. The story of God is about real people and about real places and about real faith. And if we're gonna fully understand and accept and live the story of God, we need to get to know the key players in the storyline. So this series is gonna focus on the Old Testament. Now the Old Testament is so full of names and dates and places that sometimes you can get caught up in the swirl of it all. Anybody with me? Okay, there's like, there's Ichabod and Nimrod and Mephibosheth, okay? They live in places like Shechem and Mitsubishi. I don't know, that's not actually one, but they look like that, doesn't it? Like you're like, this is, this looks like Joe Bizarro's clapping over there. Um, You know, it can be overwhelming when you read all these places and these names. But the story of redemption, starting in the Old Testament, is best followed through five men and the promises that God made to them. There are five characters or five benchmarks that take us from covenant to covenant, and they help us really digest the Old Testament. And those men are these five, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. Five central characters. And so as I was studying the Old Testament and as I was thinking about doing this series for our church, you know what the Lord showed me? Five guys. (laughs) I don't know. And I said, Lord, so it's five guys. If we dig into these five guys and we see the promises that God made to them, we will more understand fully the promises God keeps with us. And so what we're going to look at over this next five weeks, each week we're going to journey through, we're going to look at these five guys, the promises that God made to them, and we're going to see and understand the promises that God made to us. Okay? You won't want to miss any of the Sundays. Today, we're going to start with the first guy, and his name is Adam. All right. In Genesis 1 and 2, uh, you may know some of this story. It's a familiar story in the scripture. We watch as God moves some of heaven to earth. He creates the sun and the moon and the land and the water, and then he creates animals and plants, and he makes the waters full of life. And then he creates the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, and God declares, 
This is good. Say that out loud this morning. This is good. This is good. Adam and Eve, they were the perfect couple. They were living in a perfect world. They were eating perfect fruit. They were enjoying a perfect relationship with God and with each other. It was heaven on earth. God created Adam and Eve to have relationship with him. And you know, God, he's always very intentional about what he does. He wanted a relationship with Adam and Eve, and he was clear about what kind of relationship that would look like. The arrangement of that relationship is called a covenant. Now you saw that a little bit in the bumper video. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. Uh, that word is used over 300 times in the Bible, and every covenant establishes a basis of relationship, conditions, promises expected in that relationship, and then the consequences if one or the other person uh, don't meet those expectations. Okay, a covenant is kind of like a contract. Um, this is the best example I could come up with. Are there any Kansas City Chief fans in the room? Any, anybody in the room? Are you anyone rooting for Kansas City Chiefs because you don't like the Eagles? No, everyone likes the Eagles? Okay, there's like one person in the back. All right, so there's a guy named Patrick Mahomes. All right. And uh, he signed a contract with the Kansas City Chiefs for 10 years to receive $450 million. Don't forget, just a $10 million signing bonus, no big deal, just on the top. That was his contract. Now, I was reading an article about it, uh, and he, there are some stipulations listed. Uh, he cannot engage in any other physical activity. He cannot jet ski. He cannot bungee jump. He can't even play rec basketball because they need to make sure that he does not sustain any injuries. And in the interview, uh, Patrick Mahomes said, I'll be sticking to football and video games for the next decade. <laughs> That was his life. And so that was a pretty um, hefty contract, but there were some stipulations. If they find out that he's jet skiing on the ocean, they're going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, $450 million, we're just going to reduce it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what they would say, but they're saying you have to do this. And so a covenant is a little bit like a contract, but a covenant is different because it's relational. It's personal. Okay, it's a transactional. It's not about the money being exchanged. It's about the relationship. And so God says to Adam and Eve, here's the covenant, here's the promise I will make you. You can eat of any tree in the garden, you can live in perfect peace and unity, you can live where heaven and earth meet. Inside the garden, there's abundant life, abundant food, freedom, the opportunity to partner with God in, in expanding creation. Inside the garden, Adam and Eve had full access to God anytime they wanted. They could talk to God just like you talk to each other. They, they took walks in the, in the um, garden in the cool of the evening, the scripture says, God and Adam. They had complete and total blessing, favor, and abundance. But there's just one stipulation. The covenant only had one stipulation. I want to read it to you from Genesis 3.2. It says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And so God says, listen, I'm going to do all these things, this covenant, this promise. You can live in perfect peace. There's only one thing you can't do. Don't eat it. Don't touch it, because you'll die. You will break the covenant with God. Now, that's a pretty heavy consequence. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal up to this point. God was the one who was defining good and evil. God was warning them against improperly taking 
um, on that authority. It's interesting because Adam and Eve, they had a lot of freedom and authority to rule over God's creation, but this is the one thing God was reminding them. They are not God. You can do a lot of things. There's a lot of freedom. You are like God because they're made in God's divine image, but they didn't get to be God. They didn't get to define good and evil for themselves. They didn't get to do whatever they wanted. They didn't get to serve themselves. They needed to trust God's wisdom and to bow to his kingship. Okay, so you may know the story. Along comes a serpent, a mysterious figure whose whole purpose was to deceive. And the serpent suggests that seizing this knowledge, eating from the, this particular tree, will make them like God. He lies to them. And he says, listen, if you eat from this tree, just, you know, God doesn't want you to know what it's like to be God. And so that's why he's keeping you from this. And, and the basic meaning of this tree is that it represents a choice. Would the humans trust God's knowledge? Would the humans trust God's definition of good and evil? Or would they doubt God? Would they seize the opportunity to know and therefore want to define good and evil for themselves? Because when they ate of that tree, when they decided, mm -mm, I know a little bit more than God, or if I could just get this knowledge, I could understand it better. When they decided to define good and evil for themselves, they essentially declared themselves rulers. They said, God, I, I'm going to be God. I'm going to make any decision I want to. And it was this decision that broke the first covenant between God and man. And isn't that the same decision we're making today? When we decide, listen, I know better, God. I'm going to be in charge. Like, I can figure this out on my own. I don't need your help. I can fix this on my own. Or people that are far from God and they don't want anything to do with God because they feel like God will impose on them restrictions. We're saying, I can be like it myself. I can define good and evil. I can make it through all on my own. And it's that decision that breaks the covenant and the promise that God has made with you and with me. It's the same covenant. It's the same promise that God is making with all of humanity. And we're all still breaking it because we are living outside of what God designed us to do. And so in Genesis 3, as a result of this broken covenant, Humanity, Adam and Eve, were banished to the east, uh, no longer allowed to have open access to God. I want to read to you the moment this happens from Genesis 3, 23 through 24. It says, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And so this one decision changed life on earth for all of us. Now, I want you to see in this scripture, God didn't break his promise. God is a covenant-making God. God is a covenant-keeping God. God's never broke a promise. He never will break a promise. Who broke the promise in this scripture? Man, Adam and Eve, they broke the promise. They broke the first promise. 
And in that broken covenant, Adam and Eve lose their identity as God's people. They, they lose their place in God's paradise and their access to his presence. Remember, prior to this moment, Adam and Eve live intimately with God. They're welcomed into God's presence every time. But after the fall, an armed cherubim stood between humanity and God with a flashing sword back and forth. And Adam and Eve lose the opportunity to be what they were designed to be. They lose the opportunity to live in a little bit of heaven on earth. And we see in the scripture the human bodies of Adam and Eve become mortal and, and therefore affected by sickness and deformity. And ultimately the consequence of breaking this covenant with God is death. And not just death in the natural, but death in the supernatural. And in Genesis 3.7 we see that Adam and Eve realize they messed up. They realize they broke the covenant. And so what do they do? They try to fix it. They try to fi They're still operating in that mindset. Oh, we broke it. Now we have to fix it. There's, there's got to be a way. Let's see what they do. Uh, Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. Adam and Eve, they try to hide. They try to, they try to fix it. They try to cover their selfishness. They try to cover their insecurities. And instead of going to God, Adam and Eve try to figure out what they can do to get themselves out of this disaster. They make a mess, and then they keep making the mess. And when they try to fix it, it makes it worse. Anyone ever been there? Like, you say something stupid, and then you try to fix it, and it's more stupid, right? And you're like, oh, no, I just, just disappear. I just wish I would disappear right now. Come, Lord Jesus, you know. You're just, you're just trying to figure it out, just me. Okay, I'll, I'll own it for you all. Don't worry, awesome. You know, I was thinking when I was reading this scripture, as humanity, you know, we never have stopped trying to sew together fig leaves to hide our mistakes. Every religious act we do is like a fig leaf. We think to ourselves, I'll just be good. God will like me. I'll earn it. I know, I know I can. I know I can be good. Fig leaf. We're just slapping a fig leaf on the problem. I will do all the religious stuff. I will earn a place in God's house again. I'll pray an hour a day. Two, two. I'll pray two, God, if that's what you need. Fig leaf. We're just trying to fix it. We're just trying to fix it. Maybe we go the opposite way. We say, I'll question God's goodness. I'll reject God because then I won't have to face the reality of who this is, of who he really is. Fig leaf. I'll figure this out on my own. I don't need any help. Fig leaf, fig leaf, fig leaf. And you know what? Religion is always our own invention. Always. Religion is always our own invention. Religion is ways that we try to fix what got broke in Genesis 1. And we're just trying to fix it. And we're trying to fix it. And you know what God is saying? Stop with the fig leaves already. Stop it. Stop trying to fix it. Because my solution is not religion. God's solution is not religion. God's solution is the covenant that he made with his people that God never broke. That he never left. That he made and he fulfilled over and over and over. God's solution is the fact that he is a promise keeper, that he never breaks a promise, that he makes covenants and he keeps them and he fulfills them. And so we see in Genesis 3, 9, uh, after Adam and Eve, they broke the covenant, they ate of the tree. 
oh, this is so, this is so good. Are you ready for this? You know what happens? God, he goes looking for Adam and Eve. God goes looking for Adam and Eve. He knows they broke the covenant. He knows all is not right in the garden. But you know what God does? He goes. He still looks. He still chases after the people he loves. Genesis 3.9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? You know what? Can that just preach to your heart this morning? Can someone just give God some thanks for this little detail of the creation story? Because God's never quit looking for you. You are not off of God's radar. I think the word that, that was interpreted this morning, that his promise and his covenant to you is still alive and is still well. God never broke the promise he made. You may have broken a lot of promises, but God never broke his. And he is looking for you. That's what he's doing. He's out there and he's looking for you. So next, God, he addresses all the people involved. He addresses the enemy, Adam, and Eve. And he says, look, here's the deal, though. You broke the covenant. You broke it. And just like I said, there is going to be consequences. Because if, if you're a parent or you've ever watched or, or helped kids, you can't have choices without consequences. That's a disaster. And so God says, because I love you, you broke the covenant, and I'm going to have to keep my end of the deal right now, and there are consequences. And I want us to read in Genesis 3, uh, 14. This is the New King James Version. God speaks to the serpent, the devil, and he says this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this passage has some really deep theological truths that you need to understand as a Christ follower. First of all, in this moment, I love how God declares Satan's final demise. In fact, uh, in the ancient days, that, that, that phrase, to eat dust, meant total defeat. God says to Satan from the beginning of, uh, of creation, you're going to eat dust all the days of your life. Go ahead and try, but you're never going to win. You're always going to have a losing battle. You, you will always reach for victory. You will never achieve it. He says your life is cursed with losing. It doesn't matter how it looks to us. The end is already written. You will eat dust the rest of your existence. Now, I want you to remember that on your hard days. Romans 16, 20 tells us that again, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What will the God of peace do? When will he do it? Soon, soon. That's what he's going to do. And so we need to hang on to that promise in those moments that we don't feel like we're winning. From the beginning, God tells the enemy his fate. From Genesis 3, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry. That's what's going to happen. He's going to eat dust all of his life. And then in verse 15, it says there will be enmity between the woman and the enemy. So whatever moment of friendship or trust that Eve had with the serpent, uh, that is over. That chapter is finished. And we watch how Adam and Eve, they wrestle with this decision in the garden. But, but listen, the real battle that is being foreshadowed here is between the enemy and the seed of the woman. Now, what does her seed mean? 
What does that mean? That is a prophetic, forward-looking statement that is describing someday Jesus Christ, born of a woman, starting in the seed of a woman, that someday Jesus Christ will defeat Satan forever. And the story that we see, yeah, amen, the story that we see in Genesis 3 is bigger than Eve and the apple. Okay, that, that's what's showing us, yes, Eve and Adam and Eve, they had this little conversation about the apple, they made a wrong choice, now we're in trouble. But the bigger story, the bigger story that's being told for all of humanity is this is the greatest picture of the greatest battle being fought in the universe. This is the battle between good and evil. That's what Genesis 3 is showing us. And then uh, the end of verse 15, let's look at this. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You shall bruise his heel. This is like Good Friday. And he shall bruise your head. This is Easter. All right? And this is what he is describing. Satan might wound the Messiah. That's what bruise his heel means. There will be pain. There will be heartache. Even, it may even appear that the enemy won. Remember, in those days that Jesus was in the grave, it looked like Jesus was defeated. It looked like they had killed the king of kings. It looked like he was defeated by the enemy. His heel was bruised. He was, he was wounded, but... The story wasn't over. The Messiah was about to rise again and crush the enemy's head and bruise the head. That's the same word crush in the original language. Crush the enemy's head and the Messiah will deliver the mortal blow to the enemy and Christ's death on the cross will bring salvation to all of humanity. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. In fact, Genesis 3.15 tells us Christ's death on the cross reverses the curse. Christ's death on the cross defeats death forever. If breaking the covenant meant death, natural and supernatural, then Jesus's death on the cross reverses that broken covenant and brings us back into victory. So this promise in Genesis 3, it's actually called this word proto-evangelum in the theological world. It means this, the first gospel, the first gospel sermon ever delivered on earth, and God was the preacher. And you know who he preached it to? The enemy. That's what he said. He said, don't all get excited about what happened here today, because you might have thought that you won this little battle, but the war is not over, and there's going to be a day that your head will be crushed forever. And, and this represents all of humanity in this broken covenant whole again. His name is Jesus, and the curse is removed when Jesus fulfills the covenant. Also, my TV is removed, so we won't be using that anymore. Just kidding. The promise that was made with Adam and Eve sets the backdrop. Listen, here's why we have to understand. This promise, this covenant that God made with Adam will now come weave in and out of both the Old and New Testament. And from the very beginning until today, God wants you to know, and God wants me to know that, listen, we mess up. Like we break the covenant, we fall short. That is true. But God has a plan to bring us home. And he's always had that plan. That plan wasn't, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> he has always had that plan. In Genesis 3, 
right after creation, he says, listen, here's my plan. I'm chasing after you, and my son Jesus has made a way. And you know, Noah said this, and maybe even someone else today, but here's the deal. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never understood this promise today, I want to tell you the gospel is for you. That God preached that sermon to the enemy in Genesis 3 and to Adam and to Eve, but God had you on his mind when he said these words in Genesis 3. And if you want to come into relationship with Jesus, I want you to come to the prayer tables to my right and to my left. In fact, I'm going to ask the prayer team to go there right now because people might want to come and just talk to you. We want to help you. We want to help you walk you through this decision. And so would you stand? We're going to end today's service by singing about the faithfulness of God, about the promises of God. We're going to give praise to God for his promises to Adam and that same promise that stands true today and to us.
give the faithful God a round of applause. God, you're good. Great is your faithfulness. God, your promises are true. We can hold on to the anchor of who you are from ages to ages. God, we worship you today. We celebrate you. God, you reversed the curse. Death is defeated and you repaired the broken covenant through your son, Jesus. And starting in Genesis 3, this promise is alive all through the generations and it's alive today. And so for that, God, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. And it's in your strong name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you'd give us a rating and a review on your podcast app and subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.